Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Well, hey there, friend. Glad you made it by, because tonight we've got a big one. And here's my pal Chester, ready to ring in season two. You excited, Chester? Ah, must have seen his shadow. Oh well, six more weeks of season one. Come on in, friend. Mmm. Oh yeah, that's better. You know, I was planning on drying out a little after National Cocktail Day last week, but wouldn't you know it? Today's a very special day. Happy National Clams on the Half Shell Day. I forgot the clams, but that's no excuse not to celebrate. So bottoms up, y'all. Here's the shellfish. Oh. So shuck them if you got them, and drink those glasses to the bottom, friends. Because old Drew Blood has a tale to tell. But first, a word from our benevolent dictator. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. To show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today and get instant access from our friends at Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights. Thank you for your support. Oh yeah, and we are accepting submissions. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on this show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment. And we're off. Tonight, we welcome back our pal, author, pit master, and winner of Arizona's biggest tilde competition, DJ Montano. Ha, nailed it. Tonight's tale is a real blast from the past. In it, we join a few college kids down in Tombstone checking out the Oriental Saloon. But when drinks start flowing and jaws start wobbling, one unlucky student gets a history lesson. So, without further delay, I give you, from author DJ Montano, The Oriental. 
Man, I bet half the crap that lady at the Birdcage Theater said was bullshit. A bunch of legends and folklore to get people riled up and scared. Tony grumbled as thunder rumbled off in the distance. Dude, didn't you see all the bullet holes in the bar and the walls of the lobby? Dale said, stepping off the sidewalk onto the dirt-covered street. Bro, I bet I would have been a kick-ass cowboy back then, Jorge said. Who the hell would be afraid of you, Jorge? You can't even grow a mustache. Not to mention your little twig arms. Isaac chuckled as the other two cracked up. A sudden gust of wind kicked up dust into the group of college kids' faces. You guys are jerks. I don't even know I even hang out with you, Jorge sneered. Ah, oh, Jorge, it's okay. I'm sure some chicks dig the skinny pretty boy type. I mean, shoot, you've kept Lisa around for eight months now, and I'm still not sure how you pulled that off in the first place. Anyway... Let's head over to the Oriental, and I'll buy the first round of shots. Isaac clapped a hand on Jorge's shoulder. Thunder rolled across the sky again as the two smiled at each other. The door squealed as the young men entered the Oriental Saloon. Why the hell did we even come to this crappy hole-in-the-wall town again? Tony huffed, unimpressed as he looked across the room. Billy Ray Cyrus sang about an achy-breaky heart on the jukebox, and the crack of billiard balls pierced their ears. Cause we loved the movie and we wanted to come check out the actual town where it all took place? Dale said. Now come on, let's grab a beer. Welcome to the Oriental Saloon, gents. What you having? The bartender asked as he dealt out four coasters. His old-timey mustache, western-style clothing, and southern drawl aided in the illusion of traveling back to the Old West. Hey man, is this really the same place that Wyatt Earp dealt cards and Doc Holliday gambled? Dell asked excitedly. Why, yes sir, it is. This is the original building built on this very spot. First owned and operated by Milton Joyce, the barkeep said as he dried out a glass. Awesome! Dale's eyes lit up in full fanboy mode. We'll take four blue moons, Isaac interjected. Coming right up, fellas, he said, grabbing a pint glass and the tap handle. We'll take a round of whiskeys, too, Dale said in a mediocre Doc Holliday impression. Yes, sir, he barked from the other end of the bar. Come on, guys, we can't step up to a real Wild West bar and not order whiskey, Dale said. Here you go, gents. Four beers and four shots. That'll be $32. Jorge slid his card onto the bar top as the others were reaching for their wallets. Don't worry, guys. I got the first round, he said with a smirk. Jorge enjoyed proving money wasn't an issue for him. He enjoyed getting the new hotness before the others. Jorge always got the first round. Isaac beat him too at one time and he made a huge scene out of it. So each time they made like they were reaching for their wallet and let him feel superior about beating them. Hey Isaac, the pool table just opened up. Hurry, go snatch it. On it, Isaac said, moving through the crowd, trying not to spill the fresh beer and shot in his hands. What a ripoff. Damn place is pricey, Tony huffed. I bet this ain't even the real place. They just claim it is so they can charge you out the ass for beer. Snarky condescension oozing out of his voice as he rolled his eyes. A thick, meaty hand slammed down on the bar top with a thunderous clap. This here is the real authentic Oriental Saloon and Bar, where countless Wild West toughs, lawmen, and ladies mingled. Hell, 
My great-great-uncle tended the horses at the OK Corral as a kid. Some desperado killed his father on these very streets. That godless man hung from the banister across the street. Now, you may not believe that, but you don't need to be blatantly disrespectful about it. The barkeep locked eyes with Tony, and his gaze felt like it bored straight into Tony's soul. You see, Tombstone is the town too tough to die. But neither it nor the Oriental got any qualms about showing people they can. This town and this saloon would have made you piss your pants in its heyday. Be careful with what you say. This old girl, the Oriental, may make a believer out of you yet. Tony stared into his beer, unable to handle the ferocity in the bartender's eyes. The light metallic jingle of the doorbell rang out, and the bartender turned and greeted customers entering in the same light and jovial manner they were greeted with not five minutes ago. Welcome! Welcome to the Oriental, gents! Come, Come on, on guy. In. Let's go shoot some pool, Jorge said, snapping Tony back to reality. Isaac had just finished racking the balls when the guys walked up. Dude, you won't believe what just happened, Isaac. He looked up from chalking his pool cue at Dale. What? He said with a quick head nod. Shut up, Dale, Tony said, low and thin. Tony just got his ass handed to him by the bartender, Dale said, spilling some of his beer, chuckling as he lowered it to the table. I said shut up, Dale. I knew I shouldn't have come, he grumbled. Aw, oh, come on, Tony. Drinking with your bros is better than sitting at home and thinking about how Jessica cheated on you. Jorge said, raising up his mug to offer a toast. <sighs> Fuck it. Fine. Then it's up to you guys to get me drunk enough to forget, he said, raising his glass. Deal, Isaac shouted. To Tony, Tombstone, and one hell of a night spent in the Wild West, Dale said in a joyful tone in direct opposition to his best friend's mopey monotone. Cheers! The sound of clinking glasses muffled their voices. The four college seniors played pool, threw back shots of whiskey, and sang along, albeit poorly, with the jukebox. Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? Jorge slurred to the group after taking his fifth shot of Jack. I'm your huckleberry, Dale said in his mediocre doc impression. They gave each other a long icy stare and burst into laughter. Dale broke the rack and a thunderous crack from the approaching storm outside shook the building. Damn, that storm out there means business, Isaac said as he watched lightning illuminate the plate glass window. The flashes of light gave glimpses of the old town storefronts up and down the street. He continued to watch as the other tourists began speed walking to find cover, and Isaac could swear he saw figures populating the sidewalks and streets with each flash of lightning, but nothing was there after each burst. Goosebumps rippled across his arms, and he couldn't help but feel like there were lots of eyes looking in through the very window he was looking out. Tony stood, wobbling and swaying back toward the restrooms. After practically falling through the stall door, he managed to land ass first on the toilet seat. Reaching into his front pocket, he found the Ziploc bag containing the joint he rolled earlier that morning. The stall door groaned as it creeped open little by little. 
Planting a foot on the back of the stall door, Tony slammed it shut and a loud crack echoed in the tiny room. Bringing the joint to his lips, he flicked a spark wheel on his bick and watched a flame pop into existence. After two or three quick puffs, he took a long, deep drag of sweet relief. As he exhaled, he wished all his thoughts about Jessica would come flowing out too. He slumped back against the tank, stepping deeper and deeper into the pool of blind relief with each hit. Ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, can I have your attention? We're gonna be closing up in 10 minutes. Please make your way to the bar and settle up your tabs now, y'all. Thank y'all. The bartender hollered to the dozen or so people left in the magnificent old building. Well, boys, it's time to square up and mosey on out of here, Jorge said with a southern drawl that didn't quite fit his Hispanic features. Dale looked at him bemused. The human brain shouldn't do what his was doing now, but he couldn't help it. It's like his brain auto-assigned what Jorge should sound like, and the poor southern imitation threw his inebriated brain for a loop. It had done this once before when he was watching some program on Shark Week and a woman of Asian descent was about to be interviewed on the patterns of great whites off the coast of Australia. And when she spoke, a heavy Australian accent came pouring out. Dale couldn't understand why it nearly locked the gears up in his brain. If she was born and raised there, that would be the accent she grew up with. Snapping back to the present, he locked back on Jorge. I think I had too much whiskey. The hangover is going to be a real bitch tomorrow, he said, now back in his normal slightly Spanish accent. Either you two guys see where Tony went? Dale asked, sliding the wooden pull cues into the wall-mounted rack. Nah, maybe, maybe he's up front, Isaac slurred. He was, he was kind of a buzzkill tonight, he said, tipping back the last of his beer. He couldn't have been that big of a buzzkill... <laughs> Cause you're way past bust, bro. Jorge jabbed at Isaac. Besides, he walked in on this girl getting railed by another dude. Cut him a little, little slack, man. Let's tab out and go find him, Dale said. We've been best friends since fourth grade. If there's one thing I know for sure is he goes for a walk when he's all pissed off. Did you gents enjoy your night at the Oriental? The barkeep asked as he handed each of them a receipt to sign. Hell yeah, man. This place is great, Dale said as he looked around, taking it all in one last time. Well, I'm pleased you had yourself a pleasant evening here. Say, where are you fellas staying? The bartender asked. The minus cabins. Just down the road, Isaac said, gently swaying as he spoke. Well, those are nice and cozy. Y'all be careful walking in that storm out there. Come back soon now, you hear? He said, looking down and wiping up the condensation ring scattered all over the bar top. Oh, we, we will be back for sure, Jorge said as the three walked out to see the torrential downpour just beyond the covered sidewalk of the old saloon. Looking both ways, the three lushes exchanged glances and headed off in search of their missing friend. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. 
But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Tony sat in the haze of his finished joint, ass numb from the toilet seat. He was unaware of how much time had passed and frankly, he didn't care. His lower back barked in pain as he attempted to stand and straighten up. He gripped the top of the stall door and pulled it open, then made his way over to the sink. The knob on the sink squealed in protest as he turned on the warm water and splashed his face. With a couple of flicks of his wrist, he cleared them of the remaining water and ran his hand through his slick back auburn hair. As he opened the bathroom door, he found the room to be empty and oddly still. How long was I out? It wouldn't have been as weird if his friends were there to razz him about taking forever, but they weren't even here. His footfalls bounced off the walls of the empty room. A slow click-click-click issued out as he began walking. The sound which he always associated with business shoes or heels sent a chill up his spine. Hey now, is someone still here? A loud voice reverberated around him. Yeah, who the hell are you? And where did everyone go? Tony hollered back. An enormous wall divided the space where Tony was standing and the bar top. Tony walked towards the double doors he had entered as it joined the two rooms. I'm the bartender, and everyone went home, the voice answered. Tony cleared the wall and saw the mustachioed man behind the bar getting everything in order to open the next day. Where the hell you been, boy? The barkeep asked. I was in the bathroom. Where'd my friends go? Tony's voice was thin and sharp. He hadn't forgotten how this man had embarrassed him earlier. Back to the hotel down the road a little way. I think they thought you already headed out. You know how to get there? He asked while he washed out a beer mug. No, wasn't paying attention earlier. By the way, dude, there's no one else here. You can drop the accent. You don't have to stay in character on my account, Tony said, rolling his bloodshot eyes. What is your malfunction, son? This is my normal talking voice. I ain't playing at no character, he growled. Sure, and I bet that bullshit story about your great uncle or whatever... Isn't just part of some card you had to memorize when you got the job here, Tony sneered. Well, there ain't no two ways about it. You're just a rude little shit, ain't you? Tell you what, sit your ass down at the bar while I figure out just what to do with an ungrateful jackass like you. Tony's eyes locked on the bartenders. A crimson shimmer flashed across his eyes. We might just have to find out what you're made of. The words oozed out of his mouth, slick and oily. Any trace of the southern drawl evaporated. The man behind the bar now gave off a looming presence. 
Thin lips curled into an awful grin, and he threw the towel into the sink and turned clumsily. Like an awkward puppet controlled by a child, hairs on the back of Tony's neck prickled, and his skin crawled so bad he thought someone would surely see the wiggling under his shirt. Whatever, old man, he grumbled under his breath, a desperate attempt to maintain his macho persona. He stood and backed away from the bar and crept towards the door, not wanting to be here when the barkeeper returned. Gripping the brass doorknob, he turned it ever so slowly, like all those knights sneaking back into his house as a teenager. A light click sounded, and he pushed, but the deadbolt denied him exit. He would have to wait. Tony stewed in the empty room, the low lights of the previous week's events zooming through his head and his current predicament wasn't raising his spirits. The weed was supposed to mellow him out and keep these thoughts at bay, but no dice. The clip of Jessica naked on all fours, some wrestler from Mountain View High's hips slapping against her ass in quick hard repetition seemed like it popped up every other memory. What the hell, Jess? Astonishment and anguish filling his voice in equal parts. What, Tony? You pissed that I'm getting what I want? All you do is treat me like crap lately and I'm supposed to just be okay with that? She said. Her new stud pulled out and collapsed on the bed, drawing the covers over himself. Jess stood and slipped a bathrobe on. Tony couldn't help but notice the larger endowment on her new Netflix and chill partner. What are you talking about? I've always tried to take care of you and give you what you need, he said, blood and heat filling his face as embers of anger built into a bonfire. No, you gave me what you thought I needed. You never listened to me. I tried talking to you so many times, but you always managed to make a joke out of it or give some sarcastic remark and move on. In her mind, Jessica could see the countless times this had happened, like they were playing on hundreds of TVs stacked on top of each other. His facial expression registered that his brain was doing the same. Any retort he had sizzled out and died in his throat. Look, when we first started dating, I have no doubt that you cared. You loved me so fully and wonderfully. But as time went on, you became more focused on your looks and reputation. Vanity and status to boot. And smothered the kind-hearted and caring man I fell for. I became a piece of property, not a person. I'm done with that. My mother suffered through an abusive relationship, and I refuse to repeat it. We're over, Tony. Now please leave. Her voice was firm, solidified by her resolve to not end up like the mother she pitied. He looked her over once more, her messy blonde curls flowing over her shoulders, her arms folded, confidence radiating off her. This is what he had loved about her when they first met, how he had crushed that spirit in her he would never know. Tears rolled down his cheek. It's my fault. It's all my fault. His voice came out just above a whisper. Walking over to the bar, he climbed up on the stool, interlocked his fingers, and took a deep breath. He put his head down on the bar, praying the weed would kick in. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. He muttered over and over. Besides the mantra, he closed his eyes trying to find a happy memory buried somewhere in his past. Slowly, he drifted into a deep slumber, with Jess drifting away at last. Wow! 
Why, you cheating son of a bitch! Exploding gunfire ripped Tony from his slumber like it was waking the dead. His lungs sucked the breath in with a great gasping sound like he was coming up for air. Hot, dry, dust-laden air mingled with cigar smoke and B.O. whooshed in and out in rapid succession. Tony heard a thump followed by a grunt, but it came through all foggy and distant. His head felt all loopy and groggy. His eyes pulsed in their sockets, and he was sure this was about the worst hangover he had ever had. Well, stranger, it's about time you woke up. Behind the bar stood a man in a button-up white shirt capped off with an oyster-gray bead that resembled a pearl for a collar button. His trim black slacks were crisp and sharp. A full but well-manicured mustache and stern but warm countenance fixed on Tony. Trying to gain his composure, he gave the barkeep a bewildered look, then turned to see the man collapse on the floor. A dark red pool flowed out from around the man, and Tony couldn't help but recall a bottle of his mom's Merlot he had spilled on the kitchen counter when he was 12 or 13. The puddle, on its way to becoming a lake, soaked into the area rug and wood floor as it grew. His groggy gaze moved to the gruff mountain golem of a man that stood over him in a pit-stained cotton button-up. Brown pants and a leather belt and holster hung low on his left hip. Let's see just what the hell you got up your sleeve here, Billy, the golem said, grabbing his right arm. A meek whimper squealed out of the man on the floor. How is this man still alive, Tony wondered as he looked at the vast quantity of blood spilled across the floor. His mind was coming out of the haze rapidly now, like a scene in Star Wars when they made the jump to hyperspace. The surrounding situation was one giant clusterfuck, but he was the only one losing his mind. Everyone else was carrying on like normal, with heightened senses in case things devolved into bedlam, of course, but still carrying on. The thick, meaty hand of the shooter pulled a playing card from the dying man's sleeve. Well, 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 what have we got here? Looks to me like you swapped the Queen of Hearts. Well, since you've got the Queen of Hearts, you won't be needing yours any longer. A loud crack accompanied by a puff of smoke burst out of the giant man's revolver, tearing a small round hole in the cheater's chest. His eyes went wide for an instant. His body jolted as he sighed a ragged final breath. Then he collapsed. What the hell are you looking at, mister? A voice like gravel asked as Tony gawked at the lifeless body on the floor, a lighter pool of red oozing over the existing puddle that was now nearly black. Hey! I'm talking to you! What the hell are you staring at? Uh... N nothing Tony's voice trembled as much as his bottom lip. You're damn right nothing, seeing how this don't concern you. Turn back to your whiskey and mind your damn business. Or you're next. The look on this killer's face was harder than a slab of granite. He stowed his revolver for the time being, but Tony suspected it wouldn't take much for it to make another appearance. He stepped over the corpse and back to his card game. Hey, Milt, you be sure to let Bayon and Marshall White know what happened here and why that cheating piece of shit is dead. 
Tony turned back to the bar, beads of sweat dotting his forehead. Uh, hey, bartender? Where am I? He heard his voice, or more precisely the voice of his body. The tide was washing over him that this was, in fact, not his body. How do you mean, stranger? You're in the Oriental Saloon, in Tombstone, Milton retorted. A queer and curious look seized his face. What year is it? Tony followed up quickly. Why, it's 1880. August 10th, 1880, to be precise, Milt said as he cleaned out a glass. Tony rose off the bar stool and stumbled back. The sound of spurs chiming with each step caught his ear. Looking himself up and down, he found a rough pair of brown boots, dusty black pants with a worn leather holster wrapped around his waist, and a red button-up shirt. What the hell is going on? He mumbled. What'd you say, stranger? Speak up. Look, man, I don't know what's going on, but I'm from 2019. Tony had a wild look in his eyes. <laughs> yeah, sure you are. And I'm Doc Holliday, Milton scoffed. Time to settle up your tab, mister, Milt said, drying his hands on a white cotton towel and flipping it over his shoulder. Looks like you've polished off most of the bottle, so that'll be 95 cents. Tony's eyes were the size of silver dollars as he surveyed his surroundings, mired in the muck of disbelief. Hey, mister, did you hear me? You owe the bar 95 cents, Milton repeated in a stern tone that reminded Tony of a manager he had hated from a short stint working at McDonald's. Chill out, dude. I got it, Tony said, snapping back from his astonishment. No, you don't, a voice whispered from somewhere in his head. All at once, a hush fell over the room. Dozens of eyes locked on him, looking quizzically like dogs hearing a strange noise and cocking their head to the side. As he padded his pockets, he caught sight of the glances and whisperings out of his peripheral vision. With one sentence, he had thrown himself on center stage. Digging his hands in his hip pockets, he found nothing but small bits of cotton. He turned the pockets out and watched small bits of sand fall free of them. It seems I've misplaced my money, Milt, Tony said, wilting inward with embarrassment. Look, stranger, you drank damn near a whole bottle of whiskey. Now pay up, or I'll be forced to detain you so you can explain things to Marshal White. What the actual fuck? That guy just killed a man and you're going to report me over a bottle of booze? People were looking at Tony like his head just morphed into a zebra's. Look here, mister. I don't like your tone, despite not understanding the first bit. I don't appreciate your hostility towards me in my own saloon. As for your debt, you are correct, sir. You know full well duels and gunfights are legal when defending your honor or sifting out cheating scum. He got caught cheating and got what was coming his way. Since you have no money, looks like we will be getting the marshal involved. Milt gave a nod to the young boy by the door. The lad gave a nod back and bolted out the door. If I were you, I'd get the hell out of here. The alien voice from a deep well inside him popped up again. Tony could feel the nervous looks from every direction. It was like a giant ball of static electricity. 
Tony saw a slim man in a black suit unbuttoning his coat ever so slowly to avoid notice. He made a mad dash for the door, but this body moved awkward and clunky to the one he toned and conditioned through his hundreds of hours in high school wrestling practice. The last button on the slim man's coat caught for just a second. He got it open and snatched a pistol up with lightning quickness. He drew down on Tony and fired. The door frame burst apart inches behind his head. Splintering wood pelted his left ear in the back of his head as he ran. Tony's feet shot in opposite directions as he cleared the wooden sidewalk and landed on the dirt street. Passing town folks ducked and moved to find cover. They looked at the man who just burst free from the Oriental. He reached a handout to avoid falling completely and he landed on the ground with a wet squelch. He looked down to find it buried square in a pile of horseshit. Ah, uh, what the actual shit? He yelled, pushing off the ground and flicked his wrist trying to throw off the horse muck. He continued to flee for his life but couldn't believe he was seeing horses pulling wagons and carts through the streets. Everywhere he looked, the people looked like extras in a crappy western movie. Another shot rang out, whistled by his right ear and pinged off something in front of him. Hey, get back here! The gunman shouted. Hell no! Tony shouted. You're going to shoot me and then ask me to come back? You must be freaking crazy, his mind continued as he ran. He dodged behind the wagon trying to escape the line of fire. His heart punched his ribcage with the type of rapid thudding you get from a boxer working a speed bag. His hands trembled and his knees threatened to curl up like wet spaghetti while his eyes darted around, searching for his next move. The afternoon sun beat down as he sucked the hot, dry desert air into his lungs in great heaves. He's over there behind the wagon! A man's voice cried out. Don't let him get away! Another shouted. The crunching sounds of footsteps on hard-packed dirt were drawing near. Tony spotted a small alley between the Campbell and Hatch Saloon in Billiard and the Alhambra Saloon. A crack like a bullwhip rang out. A patch of dirt three inches from his boot exploded. He darted across the sidewalk and flew into the alley. Running down the narrow passageway offered very little cover or room to dodge. If one of the gunmen saw him, it would be like shooting fish in a barrel. Who shoots fish in a barrel anyway, Tony couldn't help but think. The end of the alleyway opened up into a moderately wide lumber storage yard. As he cleared the building to his left, he whipped around the corner just as another thunderclap echoed down the hall. Ah! A white-hot bolt of pain raced across his right shoulder to the pain receivers in his brain. The scream that leapt out of his throat startled him with its speed and volume. Trying not to break stride, he looked over to see a chunk of flesh missing where the bullet had cut a furrow through him. That's it? It just grazed me and it hurt. <laughs> a low chuckling reverberated in his mind as soon as the thought passed through his head. After a quick scan of the lumber yard, he found another alley that opened to 4th Street. He took it. Hey, clear out! Move it! Tony hollered at the townsfolks on the boardwalk ahead, casually going about their day. A woman who looked to be in her late 20s or early 30s in a purple bow dye dress, ivory skin dotted with freckles and curls that shone a brilliant copper hue in the sun, 
quickly snatched the small child just before being trampled. The sound of horse hooves clippity-clopped with an urgent rapidity behind him. How the hell am I gonna outrun a horse? Hmm. Sounds like you're in a tough spot. The phantom voice cut in again. <sighs> Who the hell are you? Tony shouted as he took a ride and began heading north up 4th Street, aiming for the next left-hand corner leading to Fremont Street. A man on a horseback rounded the corner behind him and fired a shot. Here, let me show you how it's done, the voice said in a malevolent hiss. Tony's hand snatched the pistol out of the holster hanging off his left hip. With little more than a quick glance, he turned and returned fire. He caught the left front leg of the horse. The leg buckled as the hoof hit the ground. The rider was abruptly flung over the front and hit with a sickening crunch. Tony stole another glance to see the rider on the ground motionless except for some involuntary twitching. The man's neck snapped at a grotesque angle, and he could feel his stomach wanting to upchuck its contents. Done. You're welcome, the inner voice said. Tony felt full control of the body get relinquished back to him as the gun slid back into its holster. His mind was a crazed hornet's nest as he struggled to comprehend it all. Something inside of him was talking to him and had the ability, apparently, to just take over his body when it wanted. This is the worst high ever. I'm never buying from that dickhead Frankie again, he said, speeding around the corner. Somehow he knew, though, this wasn't the weed. Between the throbbing shoulder, which felt like someone wrapped it in a tangled knot of barbed wire, as well as the smells, sounds, and the voice in his head, no. This was definitely not the weed. Ahead of him, he saw a sign for Fly's Photography Gallery and remembered the empty lot next to it from watching Tombstone. As he entered the vacant lot, he spied the wooden gate that would take him towards the stalls for the OK Corral. Turns out there had been a benefit to watching the movie so many times. Running into the side of a famous gun battle during its time period was just a bit beyond surreal. Another thought replaced that one with lightning quickness. He could very well die on that side. That's the coward killed Tom! A man shouted as he disappeared behind the large wooden gate. Tony's heart raced out of control. Let's string him up! Don't kill him just yet! We gotta hang him! Another voice came from behind him. Tony found a large stack of hay in a vacant stall and dove in and pulled loose piles of hay in to cover exposed areas, then abruptly froze at the sound of trampling footsteps. How the hell did I get here, damn it, Tony thought. They're going to kill me, I know it. The air laden with the smell of every pumpkin patch he had ever been to was heavy and oppressive. At that moment, he would have given anything in the world to just be a kid at one of those patches again when the only anxiety he had was picking the wrong pumpkin to carve. He's over here somewhere! He couldn't have got far! The gate flew open and banged off the stall behind it. Tony trembled uncontrollably as footsteps stomped and a jumble of shouting voices grew in volume as they closed in. He could feel his racing pulse in the throbbing bullet wound. Tony folded his hands together. Please, dear God, don't let them find me. Please take me home. I don't belong here. 
He fought with all of his might to push his prayer across the boundless void of disbelief he held for religion. If God or Buddha or hell, even Zeus could work this tiny miracle and deliver him back home, then he would never doubt again. Well, probably never doubt again. It could always be a coincidence, he thought. The lynch mob stampeded through the corral. Shit, he could have gone anywhere. You two head back east. We'll cut to the west. Meet me back at the Oriental in half an hour. Tony sat frozen till all traces of the shouting men were gone and then held still for another five minutes. I can't hide in here forever. Eventually someone is going to shove their pitchfork in here and it's going to have my guts all over it. Plus, they'll be back when they can't find me anywhere else. He whispered as he brushed off the itchy long strands of grass. As he opened the stall door slowly, the hinges squealed as to protest the movement. Tony paused to see if this had drawn any unwanted attention his way. His ears straining to hear any and everything, but all he found were horses nickering and snorting from the nearby stalls. He opened it just wide enough and crept out and kept his head below stall level. He glanced back towards the large wooden gate and found it closed and latched. Hey, mister. A small voice that squeaked of puberty behind him. As he turned his head to the left, he found an armed juvenile boy. Before Tony stood a 12 to 14 year old boy brandishing a pitchfork like a Spartan warrior. Hey, you the killer everyone's looking for? The lad said as he puffed and tried to ignore his trembling knees. Tony looked the boy over and found a lean but strong young man formed through rigorous daily labor. His resolve stood firm in his steely eyes, but fear definitely held residence throughout the rest of his body. The lad began taking small, weary steps towards the unwanted man in his corrals. Look, little dude, I'm not trying to make waves here. I just want to go home, Tony said as he backed away slow and steady with hands raised in the air. I don't know what the hell you just said. What the hell is a dude? Plus, how would you make waves? There ain't even an ocean near here, mister. A small metallic chattering came from the pitchfork, reflecting the state of its wielder, but the boy continued forward. Listen, just put the pitchfork down and forget you ever saw me, kid. He watched tears roll down the boy's dirty face. His look was no longer simply determination but one of grief and anger. Hell no, I won't! The boy's voice boomed in the silence, startling the horses. The boy's eyes went wide and wild. <laughs> you killed my pa! A quick thrust of the pitchfork leveled at Tony followed the boy's shout. <laughs> what are you talking about? Tony's voice lurched as he dodged the incoming spikes. <laughs> the man you shot at on horseback was my pa! <laughs> He broke his neck when he was thrown from the horse and died. Now he's gone. How are me and Ma gonna make ends meet? How am I gonna tell little Annabelle Pa ain't coming home that her father is dead? The nerves and apprehension of taking on a grown man had worked their way out of the kid. Now he just wanted blood. Tony's blood. He wanted Tony's blood and he wanted Tony's soul. And he meant to have them both right now. Nothing else would satisfy his thirst for revenge. Tears streamed down the kid's face as he made another desperate lunge to skewer his father's murderer in the abdomen. <laughs> if I could have just slipped out of here unnoticed, he thought, 
as he deflected the pitchfork. You know what you have to do if you want to make it out of here, don't you? The inner voice pawed at him, and Tony could feel the smirk in his voice. He knew what he had to do, but it wouldn't be what the voice was suggesting here. With a firm grip on the handle of the fork with his left hand, he reached back with his right and clocked the kid square in the eye. The kid's hands fell slack as his eyes rolled back in his head. His body gave a small thud as it collapsed. He was unconscious but breathing, tears resting in the closed eyelids. <sighs> Sorry, kid. I didn't have a choice. He clenched the handle tighter and chucked it into the empty stall. <sighs> Sorry about your old man, kid. That wasn't my doing, he said as he grit his teeth against the giggling <laughs> fit in the back of his head. Hey, what's all the ruckus? A man from the street hollered. Tony ran past the boy towards the middle of the corral and found the barrel near the wall. Using the barrel for a leg up, he scaled the wall and crossed over to the roof of C.S. Flies and hit against the parapet that advertised the studio's name on the opposite side. Perched up out of everyone's line, he was content to lie there and wait the day out. Someone knocked out the stable hand, an elderly man shouted. Shit, that's Tommy's boy. Is he dead? A gentleman on horseback asked. No, just knocked out. Perhaps one of the horses got spooked and kicked him. The old-timer proposed. Hmm, except none of the horses are out of their stalls, Jerry. The rider retorted after surveying the scene. It was that murdering coward son bitch. He grumbled, gripping his reins tighter. We gotta find him, damn it. Yeah! He gave the horse a stern kick and rode off down the street. Tony laid on the studio rooftop, listening to the chaos swirling about the horses galloping, men barking orders, and startled townsfolks just trying to get out of the way. I'll just hang out up here till the sun goes down. Then I'll slip out of town at night. He sighed and tipped his hat to shield his eyes from the relentless desert sun beating down. Sweat formed into droplets and rolled down brow. A couple dripped right into his eyes with the salty stinging. The roof was hot, and he suddenly wondered if he would make it off this rooftop or melt. His back ached with the sizzle and egg must feel as it splayed across a hot skillet. It wasn't long before dark patches formed around his neck, armpits, and back, soaking them as his body tried desperately to cool itself off. How was it this damn hot in August? He grumbled. The sun completed its crawl across the turquoise sky. After spending most of the day baking Tony, it dipped behind the horizon and gave way to the cool evening air. Hunger pains gnawed at his guts. Every time he thought the coast was clear, he would hear a rider asking if they had seen anyone that matched his description. Well, if you see anyone that matches, just shout and we'll come a-running. Oh, I also forgot to mention, he talks funny. Not like a weird voice funny, and it's English all right, but it just sounds strange. You'll know it if you hear it. Then the rider would be off again. It was like he was making laps around the town. Why the hell they suspected he was still in town blew Tony's mind. He hadn't moved in hours despite his parched throat and empty stomach's complaints. A thin sliver of moon had risen over the silver mining town, lending very little aid to his night vision. Tony strained to stay awake and reap the rewards of his patience. 
The challenge proved too great, and he succumbed to the exhaustion and drifted off to sleep. While he slept, he thought he had had the recurring dream of Jessica, but he didn't. For the first time since they split, he wasn't dreaming of her, and it was a tremendous relief. Instead, he dreamt about his interactions with the bartender of the Oriental from back in 2019. It played on a loop over and over as he stood there like Ebenezer and the ghost of Christmas past. He watched the memory play out, unnoticed by anyone in the memory. The dream grew shorter and shorter with each loop until it focused in on one exchange. The barkeeper defended his lineage and authenticity of the Oriental. A couple of lines echoed in his mind. Hell, my great-great-uncle tended the horses at the O.K. Corral as a kid. Some desperado killed his father on these very streets. That godless man hung from the banister across the street. A vicious thunderclap detonated like a grenade and jolted Tony instantly out of the hamster wheel of a dream he had been stuck in. He gazed up into the pitch black sky and watched lightning burst into view. He watched it splinter into beautifully violent branches of raw power which would illuminate the clouds in brilliant whites, grays, and purples before fading away to black again. Tony stood and surveyed his surrounding. As far as he could see, there was nothing. The town was a tiny dim candle in an ocean of darkness. Blinding flashes and explosive concussions assaulted his senses, making sleep for the rest of the night nothing but a pipe dream. However, no one would be out in this terrible storm, he thought. I could steal a horse and ride off to the next town where no one knows me. Then hopefully I can figure out how the hell to get back to 2019. His mind worked feverishly as he stood firm against a thrashing and howling wind on the studio rooftop. The malignant chuckle returned to the back of his mind. <laughs> you still don't understand yet, but I will reveal all in time. <laughs> the voice said, fading away again. He shook his head and tried to clear it of the voice and its ridiculous laughter. Black creaks issued from the wood as he crept over the edge of the building. Tony wasn't sure if anyone was in the studio, but he didn't want to alert them to his presence if they were. He squinted against the dark to make something out he could climb down on, but he could see nothing. As he crouched by the edge, he also realized even if he got down and got a horse, he had no food, no water, and no clue what direction to go to find the next town. It would be suicide to ride out in a random direction with nothing to guide him. Hell, he couldn't even find the closest fast food near work without Google mapping it first, and that was in a city he lived in his whole life with well-marked roads. I have to wait till sunrise. I'll make my move as soon as I can see, he said as he crossed lightly back over to his resting place and hunkered down. His body gave a hard involuntary shiver, and he noticed for the first time since he had awoken that the wind had a chilly bite to it. It amazed him at how the blazing hot day could give way to such a chilly night. The smell of rain carried on the wind filled Tony's nostrils. He gave a heavy sigh and tried to cover up. His night was going to get much worse.
bright yellow and orange bands illuminated the vast canopy above, dotted by white wispy clouds. Tony sat on the rooftop soaked to the bone, hell, maybe even through the bone. The sun's rays were a welcome sight. He hoped they would get right to work on the drying and warming of his clothes and body. The constant shivering had taken focus away from the gnawing hunger pain, and he tried to ease his parched throat one raindrop at a time last night, but it hadn't made a dent. Despite his damp condition, the pain was blooming in his guts again. Drying out lasted well into the morning, and it wasn't long before the sun got back to work roasting Tony. He looked out over the arid landscape of cactus, thorny brush, and stony soil. There were patches of evidence from the storm, but the thirsty desert had drank most of it up already. His strength and sanity were slipping, and if he spent another day up on this roof, he may end up having a bullet for dinner. As he climbed down off the roof, he tried to be mindful of anyone that might see him. He especially looked for the kid he knocked out the day before who would return to work now that his father wouldn't be bringing home the bacon anymore. Lumbering down, his body ached. Pain shot off like random fireworks all over his body. The bullet wound screamed a constant loud throbbing in his shoulder, and for a moment he wished his arm was gone. If God was up there, he wasn't helping turn Tony into a believer based on the last twentyish hours. Despite moving slow and groaning with almost every movement, he slipped through the corrals undetected. Finding cover near the alley entrance, he sized up the building across the street for food and drink. I need to rustle me up some grub, he whispered, trying to sound like a hardened cowboy, but the whole thing coming out mechanical was just wrong. How the hell will you pay for said grub, though? The voice chimed in, using an unfamiliar voice. Well, shit, they already think I'm a criminal, right? I'm sure as hell not gonna be able to convince them I'm from 140 years in the future, so... Looks like I'm robbing a store, he sighed. A thin smile grew across his face, and he could feel the other entity inside this body's happiness. Well, where should I? He started, just trying to get that stupid smile off his face. Then his eyes landed on it. P.W. Smith & Company Store and Pima County Bank of Tucson. Hmm, talk about your one-stop shopping. He couldn't help but chuckle aloud. Pulling the brim of his hat low, he slipped free of the shadows and blended in behind the young couple. With his head lowered, he scanned the street for anyone he might recognize from the pursuers yesterday. He made a note to look for unfamiliar faces that seemed to search for someone intently. As he approached the end of the street, Tony slipped a black paisley handkerchief draped around his neck up over his nose. The stinking smell of fresh sweat marinating with old body odor and dirt filled his nostrils with each breath. He opened his mouth once, but the sweat ran down his face and landed on his tongue with a salty, dirty tang. It was a lose-lose situation. This man, whoever he is, hasn't had a bath in weeks, Tony thought. God, this sucks, he muttered. As he approached the front doors, he lifted the pistols from their holsters. 
As he saw the massive 12-foot doorway, he was in disbelief of how natural they felt resting in his hands, the crazy lack of anxiety he felt about what he was here to do. He squared up the door and planted a heavy kick, flinging the door wide open. The room filled with startled guests as he entered with guns drawn. Everyone, get your hands up now, Tony shouted, eyes scanning the room for anyone that might try to be a hero. Apart from the frightened people, he found a beautifully furnished room with countertops made of black walnut and a resplendent sheen from the varnish. The clear coat, which looked like liquid glass, seemed to draw out the depth and the colors even more. A gorgeous chandelier adorned the ceiling, bathing the room in warm white light. Now, I don't want to have to shoot any of you friendly folks, but I will if you do anything stupid. He spoke in a loud, stern voice as his pistol barrel surveyed the room. Hey there, partner. Take it easy and just tell me what you need. A lanky bald man in a white apron said, I need money, food, and water in a bag, and I need it now. Now move, he said, brandishing the gun in the bald man's direction. A man who had come to Tombstone to open his store and escaped the lawless cattle towns like Dodge City couldn't believe this was happening, but knew better than to argue. The shop owner gave a nod to a strapping boy of about 15, and they went straight to work. The barrel of the revolver exploded, spewing smoke in unison with the thunderous boom. Tony fired the round into the wall just above another man's head. Short, shrill screams jumped out of the other shoppers. I saw you creeping up and reaching for your pistol. The next one will bore a tunnel through your brains, Tony said as he pulled the hammers back, his face devoid of all emotion. Now everyone just stay put and I'll be out of your hair in no time. The young worker handed a bag with bread, dried meat, and two canteens of water to the shop owner. Now open the drawer and throw a stack of cash in the bag and I'll be on my way, Tony barked. Sweat trickled down his temples and his heart raced along at a thousand miles an hour. Despite the nervous energy coursing through his veins, his hands remained steady. His countenance was cold and stern, trying to convey a don't-fuck-with-me persona. A small bell dinged bright and clear as the man opened the till and grabbed a stack of twenties and shoved them into the bag. The shopkeeper folded the top of the bag over and presented it to the robber. Here you go, sir. Now please take it and be on your way. Tony slowly lowered the hammer of the pistol in his left hand and returned it to its resting place. He snatched a sack and headed for the door as he alternated pointing it to the left and right. So neither side tried something stupid. He stopped at the door and propped it open. Then he peered out to ensure the coast was clear. With a quick jerk, he turned back and fired two rounds into the ceiling and sent the ornate chandelier crashing to the ground as he slipped out. Snatching a nearby horse from a hitching post, Tony mounted the beast, gave it a kick, and rode westward as quick as the horse could muster. He cleared the town edge in quick fashion and spurred the horse on, yeah, desperate yeah. to leave Tombstone behind for good. After some time, it dawned on him he had no earthly idea where he was headed, but a jumbled cocktail of shock and amazement that he had actually pulled it off filled him. 
Wild laughter poured out as the horse's stride covered huge chunks of land in front of them. Tony grabbed a canteen looped over his neck, spun the lid off, and swallowed the contents in huge gulps. A memory flashed into his mind, taking him back to the last time he craved water this intensely. He was a sophomore on the high school wrestling team. Cutting meals and limiting his liquid intake to make weigh-in had become standard practice during the season. Losing the last pound that week had proven to be difficult, despite all the miles logged in sweats and garbage bag sauna suits. He made weight, 145 on the button. As he stepped on the mat, his body wrung free of all food and water, he swayed. A double vision of his opponent stood before him, coiled and ready to attack. A sharp pitch cut through the bleary fog, and his body moved on instinct and repetition alone. He wanted nothing more than to collapse, but his will drove him on, and after an agonizing minute and 48 seconds, the sharp sound cut in again, and all went dark. At the hospital, his father told him he pinned the kid from Mountain View just before passing out. Even with an IV pumping water back in, he grabbed a pitcher of water from his mother, who had been pouring a cup for him and drank it in huge gulps after tossing the lid aside. As he finished the first canteen, the memory faded back into the archives, and he dropped it back to his hip with the other one. As he rode along, he scanned the terrain for any kind of road or trail that would guide him towards the next town. The horse galloped along at full pace for the first two miles before slowing to a trot and eventually to a walk. Tony scanned the landscape behind him but found no pursuers yet. With things settling down, he reached into the bag and pulled out a strip of dried meat. His teeth latched on and pulled the chunk free with a sound like paper being torn. Jeez, this shit is tough, he said as his mouth dried up instantly. Wow, this crap really is dry. And is it too much to ask for a little flavor? All I can taste is salt, he said, after ripping another bite free and storing the rest back in the bag. Tony spotted a pair of thin parallel grooves cut into the desert as he climbed the bank of a dry riverbed. Hmm, looks like some wagons have come through here, he thought. The sun beat down as various birds patrolled the sapphire sky for mouse or juicy rabbit. Rattlesnake shook out a warning from the underbrush. The wagon trail led onwards towards some mountainous terrain and he wondered if he would spot anyone from out here. He couldn't start a camp at night if his life depended on it, which it does. Nor could he keep the horse from taking off as he slept. Oh, God, how did people live like this? He groaned. Off in the distance, the white canvas of a wagon appeared as it rounded a tree at the bottom of a ridge. Tony waved at the wagon and gave the horse a stern kick of encouragement. He called out to the wagon's driver as he rode to intercept him. Please stop! I need your help! He hollered as he approached the wagon. Whoa! 
Whoa! The wagon driver called to his team as he pulled back on the reins and stopped the wagon. Hey, folks! Can you help a brother out? Tony said in a cheerful tone as he trotted up alongside the wagon. The driver and the young man next to him looked at each other, bewildered. Look here, stranger. I only have one brother, and the winter in fevers took him two years back. You must have me mistaken for someone else. Now, if you'll excuse us... The driver took up the leads in his hands. Whoa, hold on there, partner. I just need you to tell me where the next town is. If you could just point me in the right direction, please, he said, pulling his horse in front of the wagon. The two gents exchanged a look, then nodded. It ain't a town by any means, but there is a mining camp named Bisbee beyond this mountain. It's about a day or so ride to get there. Now, if that'll be all, we'll just be on our way, stranger, the driver said. His eyes closed to narrow slits by the sun, and yet predatory, sharp like a hawk. There was still in those eyes. A chill slid down Tony's spine and prickled his arms in goose flesh. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Tony said with a smile, but made no move to clear out of the wagon's path. A faint voice of the whisper tickled the back of his brain. Kill them. Just kill them. Kill them and take the wagon. It grew in volume until it was a deafening scream. Kill them. Kill them. Kill them. Kill them already! Tony's joints felt like he was the tin man after a rainstorm. Everything locked in position. It's clear. You don't have what it takes to play the role of the body you're in. The voice inside said, Watch and learn. Mind moving over, partner? You're blocking the trail, the driver said, glaring at the stranger before him. As a matter of fact, I do mind. Tony heard the words come out, but knew he hadn't thought the words, let alone said them. This was like earlier when his arm moved on its own, shooting the horse, but now he had no control at all. Say, friend, anyone ever tell you the one about the cow and the pig on the railroad? He said with a toothy grin. Confusion passed between the two, and they each gave a slight shake of their heads. Ah, well then let me be the one to tell you. Y'all get a hoot out of this. Tony listened to the thing that took over this body, and the voice sounded like a voice coming through cans attached by a string. It was mostly clear, but had a slight metallic tone. Come on, mister. We ain't got all day. The young man next to the driver barked. A deep furrow set in his brow. True, the voice said peeling back his duster to reveal his 1851 Colt Navy revolver, resting in his left hand and trained on the driver. Now, now we ain't looking for no trouble, the driver said, a slight tremble in his voice. Oh, I ain't looking for trouble neither, but I love a captive audience. Now, if you don't mind, I'll continue with my joke and be on my way. Psst. Junior, drop the shotgun and pull your hand out of the canvas before I install a window in your skull, the voice said, flashing a gnarled brown set of teeth. 
The young man gritted his teeth as he held the weapon. Drop it, son, his father said in a low, even voice. A light thump sounded his compliance, and he withdrew the empty hand from the slit in the canvas. Good, good. Now, the cow is huffing along down the railroad when he comes upon a fat pig standing smack dab in the middle of the tracks. The cow pauses for a moment, hoping the pig will see him, but the pig doesn't budge. Minutes go by and the pig just stands there, vacant expression on his face. Annoyed by the situation, the cow looks down and shouts, Hey, can you move over? You're hogging up the railroad. <laughs> the creature controlling Tony's body laughed like a hyena as the two men stared in wonder at the rider before them. Really? Not even a smile? What, didn't you get it? Oh well, guess that makes up my mind. Two loud blasts rang out in quick succession and both men fell from the bench, hitting the ground with a thud. I have properly installed your skull windows, <laughs> the voice said with a chuckle. Tony rode along inside this body, trembling at the sight of brain and blood dripping out onto the dry desert sand. What the hell is going on and why can't I move my body? Why is this thing killing people? A multitude of thoughts flooded his mind as great as any raging river. Have you even considered once since you've been here that this ain't your body? The voice said with a smile. <laughs> You're from the future, so how could you have a body back in the Wild West? The voice stowed the smoking barrel back in its holster and dismounted. Who or what in the actual fuck is this thing and how does he know so much? Tony wouldn't have believed this if he was watching it in a movie theater, yet it was happening to him. Let's go see what goodies these two were hiding. Gravel crunched with each step, and as they approached the back of the wagon, he heard light whimpers. The truth and the secret I've held on to this whole time, the voice said, gripping each flap of the slip canvas. I'm the one that sent you here. He flung the draped canvas with a dramatic flourish. A chill ripped through Tony's soul. Who are you? And how are you able to send people through time? Tony's voice quaked as he asked. Huddled in the left front corner of the wagon sat a middle-aged woman, a boy of ten or eleven with dirty blonde hair and bright green eyes, and a girl around seven with chestnut-colored hair split into pigtails and red ribbons. She stared in horror at the monster responsible for killing her father and oldest brother through the same emerald eyes. This monster surveyed them like a lioness hunting an antelope. I am an ancient being. I drifted aimlessly for millennia before the dawn of man, he said as he scanned the rest of the wagon. Beyond some life-sustaining supplies, there was nothing of any real value here. I am benevolent when treated with kindness. Or I can be vile and malicious when disrespected. 
Care to venture which side of the coin you're on? He said with a sneer. Tony sat incredulous and helpless somewhere inside this thing. How could I have disrespected you? I've never even met you! His fury burned bright and hot. Could this all just be a case of mistaken identity? Tony watched as the young boy extended a trembling hand toward the shotgun lying beside him. Splintering wood exploded just inches in front of the tiny hand. The smell of gunpowder and smoke permeated the air. I would leave that right where it is, son. You got me, the gunman said with a toothy grin. Tears streamed down and whimpering cries squeaked out of the wagon. The boy stared at the monster standing before him and hoped to discover a weakness that would give him the edge. There was none. The gunman had a revolver fixed on the boy and wasn't taking him lightly because of his youth. Hey, let them go and deal with me, dammit! Tony's voice echoed inside the nameless being. Hey, you! What do I call you? What is your name? Since no one else would, I gave myself a name. I am Ionios. It is the Greek word. For eternal, he said in a low hiss. Okay, Ionios, where, or I guess more appropriately, when did I meet you and how did I disrespect you? Tony probed, trying to pull the immortal's focus. Do you recall the barkeep at the Oriental from your time? I was living in him at the time. Your shitty attitude towards him and complete lack of respect showed me you were in need of a lesson, an attitude adjustment as it were. So I brought you here. I wanted to see if you were the big tough guy you think you are in an era chock full of hardened, take no shit men. You are an outlaw here. If you want to go home, you will do as I say. The woman and her children sat terrified of the gunman and the conversation he seemed to be having with no one. Look, I'm sorry for my behavior back then. I'm struggling with some issues and I always take out my frustrations on others. I didn't- So that gives you the right to treat others like shit? Sorry. But you won't be getting off that easy, Ionios growled. Sir? Who are you talking to? The trembling mother asked. Please, just spare my children. You can take whatever you like. I'll do anything you ask, but spare them, please. I beg you. Shut your mouth, Ionios growled low and sharp. Tony! You want to go back to your own time? Tony sat bolt upright, as if there was such a thing in this place. Of course, just tell me what you want. His voice was hopeful there would be an end to this soon. Fine. Kill this woman and her children. Tony could feel the joy he was getting from this. It was all around him. He felt the blood drain from his face. There was a sudden strange sensation, like being yanked forward by a lasso, and presto, he was back in control of his body. 
I can't kill these people. They don't deserve that. You'll do it all right. Or you'll be stuck in the 1880s never to return home. Ionios' voice reverberated in his mind. Thunder rumbled off in the distance, low and constant. A brilliant amber sun sat on the horizon, seeming to rest on the earth for a moment. The fading light painted the sky a brilliant tangled mixture of tangerine, violet, fuchsia, and crimson. The hostages sat motionless inside the wagon with bated breath, waiting for a madman to decide their fate. Get out! The children winced as Ionios barked and controlled the body once more. No! Don't do this! Tony's voice shouted from the gunman as he struggled to regain control. None of the hostages knew just what they were supposed to do. Should they stay in or climb out? Which would keep them alive? Two as the man says, children. Her voice cracked. <laughs> the thunder grew louder as they climbed from the wagon. Tears filled Tony's eyes and cut tracks through the dirt and grime on his face. The revolver rested limp in his hand. He looked up to see the stars beginning to adorn the night sky. There were very few clouds to mar the beauty of this view. It's time, Ionio said. No, I can't do it, Tony whispered. They don't deserve to pay for my mistakes. He raised the pistol and placed the barrel on his temple. Just what the hell do you think you're doing, Ionios growled. I wonder if I die. Do you, Tony said looping his index over the trigger. If you do this, you can never go back home. I can take you back. I can take you back to a time before Jessica cheated on you. Tony froze for a second. I can take you back, and you can fix it all. Tony had never heard this all-powerful creature lose its cool, but he was. He begged so he wouldn't die either. The idea of going back and fixing his past sounded amazing, but that was just a dream. He had screwed over Jess pretty hard, and what right did he have to toy with the past? He would be no better than this thing inside him, jumping through time and blowing up people's lives like a landmine. He had had his chance with her and he blew it, but he could take care of this creature once and for all. Well, tough shit for both of us. You gotta die, Tony smirked and closed his eyes. With a final exhale, he squeezed hard, wondering if he would hear the explosion before the bullet tore through his skull and brain. Instead, he heard nothing. He eased one eye open to find everything just the way it had been. What the... Did you think I would just let you kill us? <laughs> Ionios cackled. The barrel of the gun trembled against Tony's head, his finger lightly pressed against the trigger. Tony squeezed again and again with every ounce of willpower he had, but the finger didn't budge. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm not ready to punch out just yet. <laughs> He said, laughing maniacally. In a slow, smooth motion, the gun peeled away from his head and extended towards the woman before him. Her mouth stood open, hand raised in front of it, aghast at the lunatic in front of her. No! 
Tony's voice slid through gritted teeth as he strained to take back control of the body. Huge veins bulged in his forearm and neck. You're going to do this, even if I have to force you, Ionio said, regaining control. Run! Tony screamed. His heart raced as adrenaline flooded his body. He strained, desperate to slow this monstrous creature. The woman shoved her son and daughter away. Run as far and as fast as you can! Never look back, do you hear? The thunder that had been rumbling off in the distance sounded so close now and so clear. The young boy grabbed his sister by the wrist and yanked her along behind him as he ran. Mommy! Her small face gushing tears as horrified screams came over and over like her brain was caught in a loop. After clearing the horses, he began weaving through the brush and cacti. Peering over his shoulder, he glimpsed his mother standing defiantly, her arms stretched wide open. It broke his heart that he would never again feel the warm embrace of those arms. She gave the best hugs. Hey, Tony, Ionios called out as he leveled the gun at the woman's abdomen. <laughs> what? He muttered through gritted teeth. You ever heard the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? The creature probed. <laughs> yes, he answered, confused. Drink. The barrel of the gun bellowed with a brilliant flash and a cloud of smoke. In a millisecond, the projectile tore through clothing, skin, and guts, forcing a scream to leap from the woman's throat. A fresh crimson rose bloomed across the woman's dress, her hands clutching her stomach. Tony felt the strange lassoing sensation again and stood frozen in place. His jaw hung as if disconnected, his arms stretched out holding the smoking gun. A loud burst detonated behind Tony, and a lightning bolt of pain lanced through the back of his knee. Five men on horseback rode up and bore down on him. He dropped the revolver as he fell to the ground, cradling his shattered knee as the thundering horses and their riders circled around him. One rider approached the dying woman and cleared his saddle before the horse had even come to a stop. She looked down to see her hands dripping with blood. Her knees unhinged and she fell. The rider caught her and laid her down gently. Hang on there. I got you, ma'am. You're gonna be okay. She looked up at this gentleman who could have only been a year or two older than her oldest son. His voice was calm and reassuring, and there was warmth and kindness in his eyes. You're a good young man. Don't let this world take that from you. What in the Sam Hill is going on here? Shouted a man wielding the revolver on horseback. What did that woman do to you that made you feel like you had to skin your smoke wagon and bury a bullet in her guts? Tony looked up at the stocky rider with broad shoulders, piercing brown eyes and jet black hair. The rider continued to circle the wounded gunman like a vulture circling a carcass. Um, Senor Dell, I don't think he's buried in her. I think he came out her back. A squat, slim Mexican man interjected. Damn it, Jose, shut the hell up! 
That ain't the point, Dale scolded. Your name is Dale? Tony asked, still wincing and clutching the remnants of his knee. Yeah, that's right. What's it to you? Dale retorted, shooting him a look of disgust. My best friend back home in my time. His name is Dale, too, he said, looking him straight in the eyes. Well, ain't I lucky? Now, tell me just why the hell you shot her? His eyes narrowed in on Tony, ready to measure every single word for deception. Um, senor, Jose popped up once more. Damn it, Jose, what now? He barked. It's not just her. There are two more dead men over here, Juan stated flatly. Probably her husband and son from the looks of it, he added for good measure. Dale jumped from his horse, spurs jingling with each step. He gripped Tony by the shirt and planted a hard right cross on his cheek. Answer me now, goddammit, he said as he released the shirt and stepped over to the injured knee. Look, this is gonna sound crazy, but you gotta believe me. Tony said, sitting up on his elbows. Well, you're mistaken, partner. I don't have to do a damn thing you tell me to. Dale paused for a second and ground his spur into the raw flesh of the shattered knee. White-hot pain streaked up Tony's leg and hit his brain like a tsunami. <laughs> I swear to God... <laughs> there's a creature inside me! Right now! His words were mixed with screams of agony. It's ancient. It brought me here from the future. And he's the one who killed those people. Tony sobbed, begging for Dale to believe his story. Wild laughter broke out among the riders. Dale didn't even crack a smile. The hell you say? You think this is funny? What? You think you can blame it on some boogeyman inside you? And people are supposed to care? Your actions are your own. Not some demon. Dale got right down in Tony's face. You don't understand. It really wasn't me. I didn't kill these people. Ionios laughed hysterically as Tony lay on the ground pleading with Dale. This is better than I could have hoped for, <laughs> he said between laughing fits. Look, stranger, I don't give two shits what you say. I know what I saw with my own eyes. You're coming with us to Tombstone, and we're going to string you up. No! Wait! Dave cracked Tony in the back of the head with the butt of his pistol, knocking him out cold. Frank! Time up. Throw him in the wagon. John Henry, how's the woman? Dell asked as he mounted his horse. She did. She says she had two more children that ran off, heading east, John Henry said, cradling the dead woman's body. Well, load the bodies in the wagon, too. We're about to lose daylight soon. Each rider sprang into action. After loading the woman into the wagon gently, he mounted his horse and rode off after the kids. Once everything was loaded up, they set off for Tombstone. The temperature cooled rapidly once the sun was gone. Tony could feel the wagon bumping along and could hear mumbling voices outside, but was unable to open his eyes. Well, <laughs> this is a bit of a pickle you've gotten yourself into, 
<laughs> I only owe Snickered. Yeah, except I didn't get myself into this mess. You did. I didn't shoot those people. You did. True. But it's been so much fun for me. And when you've been around for as long as I have, it's really hard to find entertainment. Killing people? Sending us through time and destroying families? That's what you call fun? Like we're just toys for your amusement? Basically. And y'all ain't even good toys. You're like janky dollar store water guns that leak more out of the trigger than you shoot from the barrel. Ionios teased. Tony could hear voices outside the wagon mumbling and gossiping. He still couldn't force his eyes to open up, though. They may as well have been welded shut. Hey there, folks. Clear the street, please. A timbering voice called out. A moment later, the wagon jerked to an abrupt stop. The horses whinnied and snorted in response to the pull on the reins. Good evening. What can I do for you, gentlemen? Said a man who had clearly grown up in the Northeast. His accent resembled nothing like the rest of the people he had come across in Tombstone. Well, your honor, we're here to hang a man. Dale's voice came from Tony's left, and his casual tone scared Tony even more. Like buying a bag of popcorn at the movies or ordering a meal at a drive-thru. Hanging people is just what they do. And, uh... What reason have you to hang said man? Also, what proof can you provide he committed the crimes? Spicer questioned. For starters, your honor, my men and I witnessed him murder a woman in cold blood. Then there's the dying woman's last words. She informed us she had two young children who fled so as not to be killed as well. Finally, your honor, Dale pulled back one side of the canvas cover and exposed the three dead bodies lying beside Tony. The children can testify that this man killed their father, older brother, as well as their mother. Hmm, that's quite the volume of evidence, the judge said, pondering the situation. What's there to think about here, judge? Hang him! An onlooker shouted. We don't need another killer around here. Hang him! A portly southern bell shouted. The wagon spring squealed as the wagon bucked abruptly. One hand pulled him up by the collar, then Tony heard a whip crack and a hot sting shot through his cheek. A big, meaty palm slapped him like a rented mule. Wake up, you son of a bitch! Dale growled. His eyelids flew open, and he sat bolt upright. The sudden movement startled Dale, and he threw a straight right to Tony's nose, more so out of reflex than conscious decision. Stars exploded around the periphery of his vision as he reached for his face with hands bound by a leather strap. Jesus Christ! What the hell was that for? Tony moaned as he tinted his fingers over his throbbing nose. I'm all tied up, dumbass. What did you think I was gonna do, try to shoot my way out? You're gonna be spitting teeth out of that loud mouth if you don't shut it. Dale's voice cut in cold and sharp. Gripping his shirt with both hands, he lifted Tony to his feet and shoved them toward the rear of the wagon. He took a few awkward hunched-over steps and narrowly avoided stepping on the corpses. With some assistance, he clambered down off the wagon to see a lynch mob take form. 
Do you know who I am, son? My name is Wells W. Spicer, and I'm the judge here in Tombstone. What do you have to say about these accusations, stranger? Tony stared at the man who would decide his fate, not entirely believing this was how the court case was being handled. Wells Spicer appeared to be very average. He had thin hair with a receding hairline and an average build. A salt and peppered mustache dressed his upper lip, and his suit was nice but not overtly wealthy. Here was an extraordinary situation, and it's going to be judged by his honor, Mr. Plano Ordinary. Wells spoke again, and it snapped Tony out of his appraisal of the man. These are some very serious charges. What do you have to say in your defense? Look, your honor, like I told Dale before, yes. Tell them about the monster living inside you that made you do it. That will win them over and not make them want to kill you at all. Ionios's voice echoed in Tony's head. There is a dark entity in me. It's not part of me. It's something ancient and, in my opinion, evil. I disrespected it, so it brought me here. It doesn't care about humans, and it has no qualms with killing us. Tony locked eyes with Spicer and hoped he conveyed sincerity. What you mean? Like some kind of demon? You got the devil inside you? A pudgy man added. Judge Spicer, we don't want a demon living in our town and preying on our women and children. A slender shop owner said as he clutched his wife and small boy in his arms. I say we hang him, an old miner croaked. The organized crowd devolved into crazed shouting and bloodlust. Hang him! Hang the demon! cried people in the crowd. Others prayed. Still others shouted different versions of, Send them back to hell! Hold on now, folks. Just calm down now. Judge Spicer held up his hands in an attempt to quiet the mob. Let's just calm down now, folks. We still need testimony from the children. Dell. If you would be so kind, please bring the children before me. Dale nodded to the driver of the wagon. Reaching to his right, he grabbed a young boy, then a young girl. Lifting each from the seat by their hips, he lowered them to the ground and gave them a point to Dave. On the other end, Dave painted on a smile and beckoned them over. Good evening, little ones. Spicer softened his voice, trying to understand all they had endured. I just need you to answer a couple of questions. The two children exchanged a glance and nodded. First, do you know this man? Each nodded. Did this man kill your parents and brother? Again, they nodded, but less frightened this time. You are absolutely sure you saw this man. Take a minute and take a real good look. You must know it was him without a shadow of a doubt. Each child eyed him up and down, and each said yes on their own. Yes, Your Honor. The young lad spoke first. I can never forget this monster. It was him. The small girl added. That's bullshit, Your Honor. They couldn't have even seen me do it. Tony lashed out. This spooked the children, and they ducked behind Dale. Oh, and why is that? Spicer craned his head and raised an eyebrow like a fish hook snagged it. Tony never understood how people were able to do that. He used to stare into the mirror after his shower and attempt it over and over, receiving only ridiculous looks in return. 
Well, first off, they were in the wagon with no line of sight when their father and brother got shot. Second, they were already a hundred yards away in thick brush when their mom was shot. Tony spoke like he had just cracked a code that would set him free. Now, just exactly how would you know all of that unless you're the one who shot these poor souls, Spicer said, reaching up and grabbing his lapels. Tony opened his mouth for a rebuttal, but the words died in his throat. He had just incriminated himself without a doubt. Tony lowered his head in defeat. Hey, Judge! A man's voice called from the crowd. That man robbed the bank at gunpoint earlier today. Everyone's head whipped around. He also took off from the Oriental without paying for an entire bottle of whiskey he drank. Milton piled on. Tony stood stunned. How could this get any worse, he thought. He killed my pa, too. A boy shouted over the murmurs. He shot my pa's horse, causing the horse to throw him. My pa landed on his head and broke his neck. Tony turned his head to see the lad he fought. A young man that charged with a pitchfork with sorrow and rage in his heart now stood in the crowd with a large black eye. Ionios laughed so hysterically, Tony wondered if it would drive him mad. He wanted someone to drive a hot poker through his ears so he wouldn't have to hear it anymore. Well, stranger, sounds like you've torn a tornado path through my town in a rather short time. Based on the testimony tonight, it sounds like the world might just be better off without you. However, the arm on the gallows needs to be replaced due to dry rot. So looks like we will have to postpone. That's okay, Judge. We'll string them up at the Bucket of Blood Saloon across from the Oriental. Dale cut the judge off abruptly, giving Tony a narrow smirk. Well, what can I say, Tony? You should have been more careful about who you mouthed off to and how disrespectful you were about it. Ionios chastised. Tony stood there on one good leg, holding the blown-out knee the best he could. Disbelief washed over him. How had things spiraled this far out of control? A couple of days ago, his biggest issue was how to get over a girl cheating on him. Now he was on the back of a wagon in 1880 Tombstone with two bullet holes and a laundry list of charges, the verdict of which sentenced him to be hanged. What the actual fuck? The wagon came to an abrupt stop and Tony flipped back and hit his head on the bed of the wagon. The wood issued a solid thunk and he grimaced with pain. He turned his head to his left and tried to ignore the fresh bloom of pain. He was met with glossy, vacant eyes of the dead woman. A horsefly landed on her eyeball, took a few steps across her pupil, and rubbed its tiny hands together. Tony felt like one was now crawling on his eye, and he jolted back up and rubbed his eye till the sensation passed. As he looked out the back of the wagon, he saw a thick rope thrown over the banister already in preparation to rid the world of the monster they believed him to be. Surviving in this godforsaken desert before simple modern amenities like plumbing, electricity, or air conditioning was amazing. It is incredible how humans found a way to survive and even thrive here, where there is almost nothing to survive on. It's miraculous to have seen it with my own eyes, Tony sat on the wagon reflecting. Well, technically, they're not your eyes. <laughs> Ionios laughed. 
Shit. Do you know how advanced humanity would be if you all stopped squabbling over your petty differences and fighting over your meaningless ideas on whom God is? Humanity's avarice over wealth, power, or land has caused your kind to burn the halls of knowledge that could have aided them and future civilizations in becoming more modern. They could have discovered something that would have benefited everyone. Your tribe mentality is, in effect, your greatest strength and your greatest weakness. It's the very reason they slipped a noose over your neck. You have violated the code and have been deemed unworthy to be a part of their tribe. <laughs> Ionio said, chuckling low and cruel. Tony hadn't even realized they had marched him over to the rope. The coarse braids itched against his neck. Dale had already bound Tony's feet and was just about to finish his hands. Well, at least this will be over quick and I'll be on my way to heaven. If there is a God despite him allowing this to happen, he sure can't hold me accountable for your actions. He spoke in a low, flat tone, unaware the words were even coming out. The hell did you just say? Dale yanked the final knot tight, pinching the skin on Tony's wrist. What the hell makes you think you're going to heaven with the shit you've pulled? His nostrils flared in anger, and his eyes turned a storm of rage and disgust. Dale hawked a thick wad of phlegm into his throat and spit into Tony's face. I hope Lucifer grabs your soul and drags it straight to hell. Dale turned away in disgust. He recalled a story on the news that made him feel the way Dale felt about him. Some big shot CEO in New York City was bribing safety engineers to sign off certifications for the elevators in his building. Dude, you're basically in a floating casket if it locks up, he had told the Dale in his time. If the brakes fail or the line snap, you're screwed. That guy deserved to get dragged straight to hell, he thought. Judge Spicer stepped alongside the accused. For the criminal acts of robbery, assault of a minor, and four counts of murder, I hereby sentence you by the power of the great state of Arizona to be hanged by the neck until you are dead, dead, dead. Is there anything you have left to say? Any last words? Tony looked up at the full moon, wondering if heaven lay just beyond it. Like heaven was the dark matter in space he learned about in science. His teacher had said she saw a TV preacher raving that dark matter was the dominion of God, since humans have no clue what it is or what it's made of. She thought it was crap, and he had agreed with her at the time. Now he desperately hoped they were both wrong. I'm sorry for all the trouble I've caused. I could blame it on monsters or demons, but really? The only person for me to blame is me. This town isn't gonna become a great big city, but it's the town too tough to die. Quite the touching speaker you are when it counts, Tony. Ionios' voice clear in his mind. However... I think it's only fair that I warn you, there is no repentance, no God, surprise, nope.
there is only time. See, when you die, your soul stays trapped inside your body until it completely decays. Only once every trace of you is gone, does your soul disappear into nothingness. Ionios' cup was overflowing with joy as he unfurled the horrific path that lay in front of Tony. Well, I'm gonna head out and get a splendid view of the show. <laughs> with a convulsive whoosh, Tony felt full control again and full pain. His blown-out knee buckled under the intense wave of pain, and his shoulders throbbed all over again. Judge Spicer gave a nod, and Dale used his horse to pull the rope, lifting Tony free of earth. The rope constricted around his throat, and he could feel the veins in his neck bulge at the same moment his windpipe collapsed. His body flailed wildly, his eyes wide and bulging taking in every face watching him die. Hey, Tony! A shout from the crowd burst through the chattering. Did she make a believer out of you? Tony saw that strange gleam in the Oriental's owner, Milton Joyce. The voice wasn't his, though. Tony had heard it enough in his head to know it. The Oriental! Did she make a believer out of you? Milton's lips curled into a wicked smile. Tony's eyes rolled back in his head, and he knew by some strange manner that all there would be is darkness. He would be trapped inside the corpse of this man until it disintegrated into nothing. And that was The Oriental by DJ Montano. A good reminder to tread lightly on hallowed ground. Also, be polite to your bartender. Everyone likes to tie one on once in a while. Just mind your manners, or you might get tied up. A little about the author. DJ Montano is a huge fan of all things horror-related. He was drawn to the works of Edgar Allan Poe from a young age. Horror games like Silent Hill fueled his love for terror. He found writing through the suggestion of his wonderful wife and could not imagine his life without either of them. You can find David Montano on Twitter at IntoDarkness49. You can also find him on Facebook as David Montano. No tilde, just a regular in. I guess Facebook doesn't allow till days, which is racist when it comes down to it. But what do I know? Just make sure to give David a follow. You gotta see this guy's steak tips. Hey, do me a favor, would you? Subscribe to this podcast wherever you do your listening, and leave me a five-star review and maybe a kind word there, even if you're listening on YouTube. I need soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and I appreciate it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of your screen. 
You'll find yourself at ChillinTalesForDarkNights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stop on by, would you? I don't bite much. And remember, we are accepting submissions. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on this show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, I'll be your huckleberry. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, at least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, friend, but watch your step out there. I've got a few neighbors who will make a believer out of you, too. I'd like to recognize a couple more of our YouTube listeners out there. And keep in mind, I'm grabbing you randomly, not playing favorites. The bossy one. Thanks for hanging out and for all the pleasantries. And I hope things get better for you. And Pope Benito Ripqueef. Let me tell you, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Or something like that. In any case, may the wind be at your back, and may the road rise up to meet you. And as the old adage goes, go fuck yourself. Especially you, Queefy. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.